It's Monday, October 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Jason Moser. Good to see you. Good to see you. We've got some retail news to discuss. We've we've got a fair amount about the, let's just call it the business of moving people. And we're going to start with <laughs> Delta. Delta Airlines reports third quarter results next week. A month ago, they cut revenue guidance for the quarter. And today, they reinstated the original guidance. CEO Ed Bastian said that ticket sales have improved. They also expect bookings in 2022 to be higher than they were in 2019. And not that the stock is uh, you know, shooting up 5%, 10% today, but it is ahead of the market um, in terms of being down. Just It's basically flat for the day on a day when the market is down 2-3%. So, um, this, this is interesting to see in what is a relatively short amount of time, Delta coming out and saying, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're going back to the original numbers. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel like it feels like that happened very quickly. Um, I mean, I, I I certainly give them credit for getting out there and keeping keeping uh, investors up to speed with what's going on. Because I mean, I think that's the one thing we've learned over the past year and a half um, is is that I mean, everything that's really been going on, we're dealing with a lot of unknowns. It's it's new territory for a lot of us, and it's a fluid situation. I mean, things that are just things change very quickly. Uh, but generally speaking, I mean, I think this makes a lot of sense. I mean, the language essentially is that they're that they bottomed out in the latter part of August and really the the early part of September, and so that that seems to line up with a lot of the language in regard to hitting peak Delta, right? I mean, hitting peak Delta variant. I mean, not the airline, um, but but I mean, when you look at when you look at language from from entities like the International Air Transport Association, for example, um, I mean they're they're using language like business traffic is is growing back in the U.S. and so they put some numbers around this. They they continue to believe that globally airlines are going to continue to lose money in 2022, but that's going to be significantly lower than than what has been lost in 2021. They think ultimately losses in 2021 are going to total greater than $51 billion. Uh, not, not terribly surprising, again, given where we were, but you know, if you start looking at what's going on around us, if you start taking just kind of a, a pragmatic view and, and, and Start to start to digest people's attitudes. It starts to make a lot more sense. I mean, you're seeing again. We've talked about this before. I mean, just just looking at the world of sports, right? I mean, football. You watch any any football on Saturday or Sunday, college or NFL. You see these stadiums are packed. People are people are are happy to get out and and go to these go to these games. Uh, look at look at events. I mean, CES, right? The electronic show. That's going to be in person in January. The augmented world expo, Chris. An event that prides itself in all of the latest developing technology and augmented and virtual reality is going to be in person, Chris, in November. So, listen, I mean, we're getting to a point where I think people are just becoming a bit more comfortable with the risk reward scenario. That spurs more consumer travel, that spurs more business travel. Uh, Adobe, in their most recent earnings call just a, a week ago, they noted that they've got employees coming back to the office slowly but surely. Business travel for the company is starting to tick back up. So, it's just worth remembering that when we see the headlines of Microsoft and Google and Facebook and Amazon in a race to see who can keep the offices closed the longest, 
there's a whole world out there that's getting back to work and, and going and doing things, right? Because we have the tools now to deal with this situation that we didn't have a year ago, whether it be testing or vaccines or, or hopefully this, this pill that seems to, to hold a lot of promise. It's just a much different position. We're in a much different position today than we were a year ago, which, which uh, really, I think it makes a lot of sense that we would see people ready to get back out and about there. And air travel is one way uh, we get from point A to point B. It is going to be interesting to see what we hear from other airlines this earnings season, which is just going to kick off in a week or so. Uh, and part of that conversation is going to be about capacity, the extent to which yeah. any of them are really expanding capacity. Because for anyone who has flown recently, chances are they may have been surprised by how packed their flight was, uh, just because airlines, partly because of labor, but, but uh, you know, airlines have sort of pulled back on capacity. So we're interested to hear the actual results next week out of Delta and the extent to which they want to give any color on capacity and holiday travel. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up holiday travel because I, I, there was an interesting point earlier today. I, I noted um, so, so Scott Gottlieb. I mean, one of the, one of the voices we've been paying attention to over the past year and a half. Um, I, I mean, he 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 said really that there's no reason he he doesn't expect there's no reason there's nothing that stops us from from gathering this holiday season. Now, I, I think I would I would. I would add a little to that and just saying, really, the only thing that stops us is ourselves. There are going to be people who don't want to do that, who maybe don't have the comfort level in doing that. That's fine. That's understandable. But I think he's right. I think that you just look at sort of a boots on the ground assessment of what's going on around the country. And you're seeing, for the most part, it, it seems to be at least the majority of people are, are happy to be able to get back out doing things. Um, again, you go back to this, this, it is a fluid situation, no question. but. The flip side of that is we we have the tools to deal with this that we didn't have a year ago. Uh, so so when you have someone like him getting out there and saying there's really no reason in, in the world, there's nothing that prevents people from getting together. I think a lot of people are going to see that as, as sort of a green light and maybe feel a little bit more comfortable making holiday plans than they would have otherwise. It's not going to be everyone, but it's going to be some people, and that's going to be really one more step in trying to get things back to uh, to some some sense of normal. People in big cities who want to save money on ride-sharing may want to think about hailing a cab. The Wall Street Journal reports that during the pandemic, average fares for taking Uber and Lyft rose nearly 50%, and that even as COVID cases and the Delta variant are mostly on the decline, it does not look like those prices are going to be on the decline. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, the power of economics, right, Chris? Um, this this is a really interesting situation. It brings a lot of questions into play from from the investors' perspective. I mean, one of one of the bigger questions we've always had in regard to companies like Uber and Lyft is ultimately how do they get to profitability, not just profitability, but really sustained profitability. And uh, there, there was a you know, the, the article in the Wall Street Journal, there was a really, my favorite quote from this article, <laughs> it says, elevated prices could persist in part to keep drivers on the platforms. Uber and Lyft won't want to motivate drivers out of their own pockets forever if sustained profits are the goal. It was the if sustained profits are the goal thing that just got me, made me chuckle because I mean, I feel like, isn't that really the goal for all of these companies? I mean, at some point or another, you're going public 
to ultimately achieve sustained and deliverable profits. So uh, that that's going to be, I think, the big question yet for for Uber and Lyft. But one of the one of the ways that they will be able to get there, if they can get there, is through pricing power. Uh, this is going to, I think demonstrate whether they really have it or not. Because the flip side of this argument could be that listen, man, if if taxis just develop some decent technology and have like, you know, an app where it was just easy to get like a, a cab, then I mean it, then you have more choice. Then I think more people probably opt to take a cab if the pricing demands it, right? So uh, I mean to me it's a really interesting point to note. Um, and I think that when you look at a business like Uber, for example, one thing they're doing that I think is really pretty cool, and I think this is something that could play into that pricing power question, uh, you look at something like Uber Pass, which is ultimately that subscription service that they offer. It's like $25 a month, but it gets you free delivery, it gets you discounted rides, it gets you discounts on restaurants. Uh, if they can create that relationship and over time really exploit value from that relationship, then that, much like something like you would see from a Costco or an Amazon, could, I'm not saying it will, but it could uh, afford the company some pricing power. I mean, that, that subscription model can be very powerful, we've, we've seen before. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it does seem like, uh, it seems like these, these Prices are going up, and, and much as much as wages. I mean, once customer or once com companies can realize those prices can go up, and they can keep them that way, uh, it's very difficult to pull that back. That's a great point because neither Lyft nor Uber has presented such an amazing value proposition that it has resulted in people saying, "Well, I'm going to delete this other one from my phone." Yeah, pretty yeah, much you're right. I've got both. Pretty I've got much both everyone on my phone. who's got one has the other on their phone. Yeah, and and I think I mean I, I wonder if to me I wonder if Uber and Lyft can do the same thing that Amazon sort of prompted for us as consumers. We value our time a little bit differently, and so now it, it convenience plays more into into our decision making than than ever before because it exists. I mean, we just used to not really have that choice, but Uber and Lyft they they just they were so so good at making this such a seamless and easy experience. What you mean? I can just hail a ride by punching a little button on my phone. Well, that's great. Uh, and I can pay for it without even having to do anything. That's even better. I mean, the convenience was just second to none. Uh, and so, maybe consumers are okay taking those higher prices uh, because A, they feel like that convenience is worth it. And maybe also, these companies can create uh, that understanding that if prices are going up, the drivers are benefiting from that as well. Um, now, the question is, if, if those prices go up, and then drivers are getting paid more. You know what's the delta there, and what the company is actually going to be able to keep. That that is that is a bigger question towards that sustained profitability uh, that we'll continue to discuss. I think for many quarters to come with these businesses. Um, but but I, I look at things like Uber Pass, for example, and the way these companies are trying to diversify their revenue streams and into delivering more than just people. I think it makes a lot of sense. Speaking of Amazon. Black Friday is nearly two months away, but that didn't stop Amazon from releasing a list of what it is calling Black Friday-worthy deals. <laughs> um, you and I have not talked about this story yet. We, we were going back and forth on Slack very briefly, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think you and I had different reactions to this story, because what you wrote to me was, it's official, Black Friday is now one long year. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that was sort of tongue-in-cheek, right? A little bit of sense of humor, I guess, I was trying for, but, I mean, it feels that way, doesn't it? Um, it does, but I, I, I saw this story, and I thought to myself, I think part of what is driving this decision by Amazon, besides the obvious you know, reason, which is money, um, I think part of what's driving it is fear. I think you know the more data we get, the Wall Street Journal coming out recently, you know, with this data point that the cost of shipping containers has increased by a factor of ten in the past yeah. year, and yep. I think that again, it's not the main reason, but I think it goes on the list. I think Amazon and some of these big retailers are starting to get genuinely worried about their ability to fulfill customers' desires this holiday season. I think you're. I think you're right. I absolutely had that thought run through my mind. I think you're right, and and I we we've made some jokes on Motley Fool Money recently, and I know on this show about have you started your Christmas shopping yet? Because your holiday shopping. I mean, you you better start your holiday shopping now. And I mean that that. Yeah, that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but really, that's pretty honest. You better be out there getting your holiday shopping done now. And I think, I think that Amazon is looking at it from that perspective partly. And and then, I, I mean, the obvious reason you said money. I mean, let's say it's, it's greed, right? I mean, they're trying to get out there in front of this and make as much money as they can from the holiday season. Uh, but but I'm sure they are absolutely, deathly afraid of. Uh, of just awful customer experiences the closer the holidays get. And, and there's a real potential for that. Uh, not being able to deliver on, on a promise for a business like Amazon, that is, that is just, that, that's the ultimate sin, right? I mean, they, they try to say, they try to do what they say they're going to do. Um, and, and so, being able to get out in front of this, I think, makes a lot of sense. And we're seeing the same from companies like Target. I know Target is getting out there and, and starting these deal days uh, earlier as well. It makes a lot of sense, given the conditions um, around the world right now. So, I certainly understand it. But, I mean, if you, if you look at just the opportunity there, I mean, according to Adobe Digital Economy Index, U.S. consumers spent over $541 billion in e-commerce from January through August, just of this year. That's 58% more than what we saw two years ago. So, I think they see absolutely uh, the opportunity there as well, the greed, so to speak, this, this opportunity to capitalize on what clearly has been um, a more digital-friendly consumer than ever before, uh, but, but no question in my mind, at least, there is some fear there, and they're trying to get out in front of this as diplomatically as possible. It's going to be uh, more of threading the needle than it typically is. If you just think about, particularly when it comes to consumer electronics, how there are manufacturers out there that like to release things a little bit closer to the holidays, build up that demand, and so now it's like, okay, how am I supposed to order something if I don't really know what the specs are? What you know, if if in a normal year that information isn't available until November, I don't know. It's it's going to be, um, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I I just hope for all the obvious reasons. I hope it goes as smoothly as possible. But it's hard for me not to think that we're we're just going to see some little train wrecks here and there across the retail landscape.
Yeah, I feel like we will. I'm hopeful that none of those train wrecks will exist in my home. I'm really trying to noodle. I'm really trying to noodle over these Christmas gifts now, and we have we have a birthday sandwiched in there and a wedding anniversary as well. So it's a high demand season in December in the Moser household. Uh, so so yeah, I'm already thinking now as, as to how we're gonna get get out in front of this. <laughs> Good luck, my friend. Thank you, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.